Bokar Tov, we're continuing the Sefer uh, Shemuel, Aleph, we're in chapter 13. Last time we had the cryptic pasuk of Ben Shana Shaul ben Mulcho. Shaul was one year into his reign and he reigned for two years total. And the surrounding uh, uh, vagueness of that pasuk. And then we jumped into the next piece, which is actually going to be... Do you remember whenever Shemuel, earlier on when he, when he was anointing him, told Shaul that I'm going to meet you in Gilgal in seven days, mm-hmm. make sure to wait for me. Yeah. And we said that from the time that Shemuel said that, then seven days later wasn't their meeting in Gilgal. It was, it was a, of a completely another instance that he was even referring to. It was in, uh, I don't know, a couple of months, there's going to be a seven-day period in which I want you to be expecting me at Gilgal. Right? Yeah. So, and, and Shmuel said that early on in his uh, commanding Shaul about his going to be, that he's going to be king. It was a very cryptic piece that we don't know why it was there. But the Radak pointed out at the time that this was going to be a very, very important point in Shaul's reign. This command to wait for Shmuel was going to be a very important element in the life of Shaul. Which is why it was stressed early on when he was first anointed. This is a story in which that... Shemuel telling him to wait for him is going to become relevant. Mm-hmm. So how does it all unfold? First, Shaul is in Michmash with 3,000 people total. He's holding 2,000 people. And then Yonatan is in Givat Binyamin with 1,000 of them. So they have 3,000 person army, 2,000 with Shaul, 1,000 with Yonatan. The rest of the people, Shilach Ishlewalav, he sent back to their tents. It's a small army. Very, very small army. How do we know it's small? Because the previous army we had that we used against uh, Nahash Amoni mm-hmm. was 330,000. Okay, 30,000 of Yehudah and 300,000 of Israel. So this is a tiny army. Now what does, Binyamin, what does Yonatan do? Bayach Yonatan et Nesif Pelishtim Asher Begeba. There was a, an officer of the Pelishtim that was nearby and Yonatan killed him. Now if you kill like a presiding officer of the Pelishtim, probably someone who was was there to collect taxes from the Jews in the local cities or something like that. If you kill the tax collector, what are you doing essentially? What are you showing? Revolt. Revolt, rebellion, exactly. That's a, a classic way of showing rebellion. So Yonatan does this and he kills the representative of the Pilishtim. And the Pilishtim heard. And Shaul blew a shofar throughout the land to say, let the Hebrews hear. So why is he telling the Hebrews to hear? He wants them to stay on guard. Because now the Pelishtim, he knows, are going to start coming for the attack because they just started the rebellion. Mm. Okay? So he blows the shofar, expecting the Hebrews to hear that, that the Pelishtim are now going to be coming after them. They should be ready, vigilant, so that the Pelishtim do not catch them by surprise. Pasuk Dalit. All the Israelites heard that Shaul <clears throat> had struck the officer of the Pelishtim. And now Israel has become disgusting to the Pelishtim. And so the people gathered to Shaul in Gilgal. So Shaul is in Gilgal. And now the people are gathering and uh, coming to support Shaul in Gilgal. And the Pelishtim gathered to do battle against Israel. 30,000 uh, horse riders and uh, 6,000 chariots 
And a nation like the, like the sand of the sea in terms of its number. And they went and they, got, they, they encamped in Michmash, Kidmat Bet Aven, east of Bet Aven, which was clearly somewhere near Gilgal. So now Shaul has this 2,000 person army, and they're encamped in Gilgal. And the Pilishtim gather a gigantic army in which their horses were 10 times the size of the entire army of the Jews, which is not a good sign, okay? So the Pilishim gather a gigantic force, and what do you think the, the reaction of the Jews is going to be? Even more fear. And the Israelites saw that things had become difficult for them, that, it was, that they were in a tight situation for the opposing nation had approached. And the nation hid in the caves and in the, all these, these are different types of hiding places under the rocks and in the crevices and in the pits and any place that they can hide, they hid. Now it's, it's very flowery language. It's giving like six words for different types mm-hmm. of hiding places to show the level of fear that Am Yisrael is experiencing right now. And not only did they hide, but they also went across the Jordan River, into the land of Gad and Gilad. Gilad was the portion of Menashe. And Machir bin Menashe was the portion of Gilad. And Shaul was still in Gilgal. And the people, all the people, had gathered behind him. And, uh, they, they, uh, the remaining people, yeah. The remaining people, yeah. The Vechola Amanisharim, basically. The remaining people were with Shaul. Okay? So not only are the Israelites fleeing into territories, uh, not only are they hiding under, in pits and in caves, they're also fleeing into territories that are further away from the Pilishtim because they think they have the assumption that they won't be able to defeat the Pilishtim here. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that they went to the land of Gad. Where was God? This area of Transjordan was directly across the Jordan from Gilad. From Ruven God. Let's see. One. Yeah, I should have the uh, signs on here. Come on, have. Gilad, I see. Okay, here. Okay, so whatever it is, God, God is on the eastern side of the Jordan River along with Gilad. I don't have the map here where it is. Okay, but, but obviously the Jewish people are leaving Israel proper in order to get away from this battle. Okay, a sign of great fear. Seven days passed from the time that Shemuel said he would come. Mm-hmm. And Shemuel did not show up to Gilgal. And the people departed from him, from Shaul. So Shaul is trying to hold fort. He's trying to ha- keep the people confident. 
and they're all expecting Shemuel, who's like the father figure. Shemuel tells him, I'll be there in seven days. And seven days pass. The Pelishtim are gathered. Pelishtim are ready to do battle. Time is running out. They feel stressed, and Shemuel is just not showing up. So Shaul said, Bring to me the Ola and the Shalamim offerings. And he brought the Ola. Now, why would he bring a, a Ola? Why, why, would he, why would he think that this is what he has to do? Because Kishimuel Amarlo, look at Radha, Kishimuel Amarlo, Shehu Yavo Elav, Sham Le Sof Shivat Yamim, Le Haalot Olot, Lisboach Sifchesh Shalamim. Because when Shemuel told him that he would come after seven days to Gilgal, he told him that he's coming to bring Olot mm-hmm. and to do Shalamim. So now what does Shaul think? That the only way I'm going to win this battle is if I do those Olot and Shalamim. Mm-hmm. Because Shemuel said he's going to show up to do the Olot and Shalamim. And now Shemuel does not appear. So that's a bad sign. So maybe I have to do the Olot and Shalamim. And only now, if I do the Olot and Shalamim, Will my tefillah go up to Hashem and enable us to win the battle? Then, when he finishes bringing the love, all of a sudden Shemuel shows up. And Shaul goes out to greet him and to bless him. Shemuel says, What did you do? He said, I saw that I was losing the people, that they were departing from me. You didn't come to the time that you had, you had said. Another Pelishim were gathered in Nechmash. And he said, Now I was scared that the Pelishim were now going to come to me to Gilgal. And I had not reached out in Tefillah to Hashem. So I just I had no choice. And I, I, I made a decision. I forfeited myself. I, for, yeah, I forfeited myself. And I gave in and I brought the Ola. So what is Shaul thinking when he does this? He's saying, look, Shemuel, Shemuel clearly wanted to come and pray to Hashem before this battle. Shemuel does not show up. So I'm going to do the tefillot to Hashem. So he tries to do the Hashem, the, the tefillot. And now Shemuel shows up and he's obviously not happy because he, Shaul did not listen to him. Now, did Shaul do anything inherently wrong? No. What he did that was wrong was that he did not listen to the voice of the Navi, which is the voice of God. And the second the king even begins considering that he could do his own thing and not listen to the directive of God, it's a very slippery slope. Yeah. So that's a sign that the king does not have it in him. Now on the flip side, I kind of feel bad for Shaul. Yeah, he's right. The Pilishim are coming, they're approaching, it's ner- everybody's nervous, everybody's running away. It's very hard to hold it together when it gets so tense. So you have to do something to buy time. You know what the story reminds me of? Aaron? Yeah. It's like Shaul reminds me of Aaron and the Chita Egen. Yeah. The people are about to kill him. The people are upset. They're angry. What's going on? Where's Moshe? Aaron was punished for it. What? Was Aaron punished for it? Yeah, but I, there are some opinions that say that's why he didn't go into Eretz Israel. Aaron himself? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's a Midrash somewhere that says that, or maybe Ramban, someone says that, the sin of the rock was like the straw that broke the camel's back. But really for Aharon, the reason it was going, wasn't going to Eretz Yisrael, but was because of Chet Oh, wow. Also, there's another opinion that says Nadav and Abihu died because of the because sin of the golden calf. Mm-hmm. Over here, it's, they bring the... They, re, they want to compare it in the article to David and Melech. And David, King David also sinned, but when the prophet 
Nathan confronted him, he immediately confessed and said, nice, right? Nothing stands in the way of repentance. Right, so, so David. It's a good lesson for us. Even when we're. We it's have not about perfection. I'm, I'm right. I, I, I was right. I made a mistake, but I was right. Nevertheless, first say, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. And then justify yourself. Not even. Don't even justify. No, I think the, the, the difference in character is that. Is that. You know what we said about Shaul, that he has so much humility? Yeah. And his humility is kind of misplaced. Because he's so humble when it comes to, to, to being, a leader. being a leader and making sure people fall in line, which is important stuff. But then when it comes to admitting that he did something wrong, he's justifying it. Yeah. Now David had the leadership, but when it came to admitting he did something he was wrong, also he was Anna. So David had the, the properly placed yeah. humility. And I, the, the idea here is that we're not expecting perfection from the king. Or anyone for that matter. Or anyone. We're expecting the person to recognize his own faults and have yeah. the ability to recognize it. So it's very interesting the comparison with, with Moshe. Moshe is a very similar story. What, mean, a lot of Haron. pressure. Haron, Moshe not also showing our, up. Uh, and, sh- and also, by the way, Moshe Shmuel Shmuel is always related to Moshe. Yeah. This is another instance in where they're related. Amen, amen, amen.